Hey, this is Welby Pierce. I'm the lead pastor of Hope Rising Church. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope it inspires you, hope it builds your faith, and hope it gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. I hope you enjoy the message. So good. So good, man. Hey, it, it is so good to see you today. Finally got a chance to meet you. My name is Welby Pierce. I'm the lead pastor with my wife. I get the awesome privilege with my wife to lead this church. And man, we're just so excited what God is doing. And I hope your summer is going well. We are, we are in the second week of a series called Difference Makers. Could you say that with me? Can you say Difference Makers? Second week of Difference Makers. And last week we talked about how, what Difference Makers looked like and, and how they kind of, how they kind of live their life. And I thought it would be good today to, to you not just get to hear me talk about it, but for you get to see it in real life, to see a difference maker. And I'm so excited today because I've asked the difference maker to come speak. I don't know why I cry, but I need to stop. But about, I don't know, let's just call it 13 years ago, God placed my wife and I in a, in a little town called Brazoria, Texas. Some of y'all didn't know y'all, people were excited about Brazoria, but, but they're in the house today. And um, it was a, it was an ironic deal because the first thing I noticed was that I, gra- I ha- the high school I went to went to Klein Oak, and we had more people in our high school than they had in the town. I was like, "This is how's this going to work out, Jesus?" And um, God did some amazing things there through our youth ministry and our time there at that church, and has really built lifelong um, relationships with people. Uh, and it really has been amazing. If you, if you ever, wanna, ever wanna know where some good people are at, just go to Brazoria, all right? Just take a drive down 288, go, when you hit water, you've gone too far, all right? And so uh, it's, uh, it's been amazing. And, and within that, there was, there was a, little, a young little kid towards the end of our youth ministry there that started going to youth ministry and uh, his brother had, had been going to, to the youth ministry for a while and um, you never know what God's gonna do through your life and through ministry and how he brings things back full circle but there's a little kid eager to to love God and serve God and I was like whatever it takes what what can I do Pastor Welby what can I do well you can start by setting up chairs because that was my first test can you show up early and set up chairs Come on, somebody. You want to be a leader? Start setting up chairs. You want a microphone, but you can't set up chairs. I'm just saying. And, uh, and he was faithful with that. We moved him. We started doing some video. He was faithful with that. And uh, we left, and ministry went on, and just began to see this, this, this young kid begin to flourish. So fast forward, we started to 
knowing that we were gonna start a church about a year and a half ago called Hope Rising. And had a conversation with him and his girlfriend at the time. Not even fiance yet. Now he's married, but but had a conversation with him, said, hey, this is what we're doing. Would you consider being a part? Remember sitting at the table at Lupe Tortillas and God just moving and us crying. How you know God can move over a plate of fajitas? I'm just saying. I mean, I'm just saying. If you need, if you need, if you need someone to say yes, just take them to Lupe's, Papacitos, Gringos. I don't care. Just take them somewhere. And um, short time passed, and they said, "Hey, we're in." And uh, he said, I'll, "I'll, I'll do whatever." And he, he stepped into our kids' pastor role. look at him I'll cry a lot more so I'm not gonna look at him and he's done an amazing job uh, building our team and pouring into our kids each and every week and uh, and so him and his wife Taylor are kids pastors and youth pastors and they serve well and one thing I love about them is that they're their heart for the house and they've got a heart for you today in fact I told them a second ago if you can't preach today well then you just can't preach at all because everybody in here is for you so let's go okay and so hey I won't give them just come on I don't want to keep on talking y'all give it up come on y'all stand up put your hands together for one of my sons Dakota Franklin love you buddy love you Man, I tell you what, he's right. If I can't preach today, Lord, I'm gonna need you to help me. Uh, for those of you that don't know, after that introduction, my name is Dakota Franklin. Me and my wife have the absolute honor and privilege to be the kids and youth pastors here at Hope Rising Church. But I would be remiss if I did not give honor where honor is due. And now I'm gonna cry and it's all your fault, Welby. Um, Welby and KP, our pastors, man, they have been everything to me and my wife and to this church for answering the call of God on your life, allowing us to come beside you and, and just leading into us and pouring into us. And man, your kids are like our kids now. And uh, we got a kid on the way and I'm sure y'all gonna be, that, that, man, I just, you, you guys have been everything. Can y'all give it up for our pastors today, please? Man, they are just, they're amazing, amazing, amazing people of God. Uh, and lastly, I wanna honor, I want y'all to take a look, just nice look at everything that we got here. That's our dream team, y'all. Can we give our dream team? Uh, like, come on, let's get ready for our dream team every week. They set this thing up. I mean, the worship's incredible. I mean, the chairs are straight. I know that's a big thing for Wilby. Uh, and America may run on Duncan, but Hope Rising runs on Scott and Donna Pickerel in the coffee station. Thank you. Amen. So um, now let's get to it. I'm going to preach for about five hours um, on a message titled Go. As you can tell, I spent a lot of time on the title. I wanted intricate. I wanted to preach pretty. So I went with Go. Uh, before we get into the word, let's pray real quick. Father God, we just thank you so much. We ask that your Holy Spirit would just flood this place, God, that you'd become a tangible asset in this room. I ask that these words would be yours and not mine and meet us right where we are in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. 
If you would get in your Bibles, if you would flip or click to 1 Peter 2, 9, 2, 9 through 10. When you get there, say, yeah, yeah. If you ain't there yet, say, hold up. Well, hurry up. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10 says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You were chosen. Say chosen. chosen. Y'all, I got hyperactive kids yelling at me every week. Y'all say chosen. chosen. Y'all better wake up this morning. Say I'm royal. You were chosen. You were in a royal priesthood. You were called out of darkness into light, but chosen to do what? I feel like there's a lot of Christians and non-Christians that find themselves in this space. They're like, yeah, I know I matter. I know I got people around me and, and, and purpose sounds good and this sounds great. I mean, I'd love to make a difference. Oh, that's great. But what does that look like? Well, I'm hoping that if you were born in the church and you've been there since day one or this is the first time you've ever been here, um, that God will lay something on your heart in this word. Uh, so I want to go to a story in Luke 2, 42 through 50. Um, this is a story that all the moms in here are going to get real scared once I read this. It says, when he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents, this is Jesus, were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. 24, they, a day, mama. My mom's freaking out somewhere back there, I see her. Then they began looking for him amongst their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple court, stirring among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? That's not what my mama would have said. Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Listen to Jesus's reply. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Three days, y'all, at Disney World, six years old, they gave us cards that if we got lost to give to the people, had like our face identification. We were walking out the gates, had a great day. I couldn't ride nothing because it was too short. Walking out, ready to go home. I turn and look. The crowd kind of caught my eye and I get lost in the crowd. I was lost for about two seconds before the tears ran down my face. The snot was going down my eyes. I was like, where is my mom? Where is my mom? Here's my card. Here's my card. I'm lost. I, this ain't three days, y'all. This is 45 seconds. <laughs> and then I lock eyes on my mama. Ooh, buddy. I jumped in her. I didn't care about her back. I just jumped into her arms. I held on tight. We went home. And later that night, my brother got lost. Y'all, y'all pray for my parents. Every gray hair on their head has a name, and it's Trace and Dakota. But Jesus, he's gone for three days, and he plays it so smooth. He's a 12-year-old. Mary says, your father and I have been searching for you, in which he replies, but I'm going about my heavenly father's business. See, here's what happens. Jesus knew he had a purpose. He knew he had a mandate on his life. He knew he was chosen. He knew he was royal. He didn't get distracted by a crowd. He may have got disconnected from his earthly father, but he was so connected with his heavenly father, crowds and other people's flows did not distract him from what he was told to do. So when his father looked up into the eyes and he said, where have you been? He said, I've been with my father. So Jesus had a mandate. He had a purpose to be the savior of the world. And he didn't have time to mess around. 
And so he would do his purpose on earth. And we talked about it in communion. He would die on a cross. And the good news is he did not stay there. He said, it is finished. And then he ascended into heaven. So Jesus fulfilled his purpose on earth. He did what he was called to do. And he left us with this. In Mark 16, 15, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He said, go. You were chosen to go. But I want you to see the text here. He said to them, and that brings me to my first point, is you were called to go together. Say together. So Welby kind of gave a brief synopsis of how we met. Um, He came over to the church when I was roughly about seven, eight years old. Uh, I couldn't wait to get in youth. Thought Welby was the coolest dude ever met. Um, I thought thought KP was way too pretty for him, so I knew he had some swag. Uh, I couldn't wait to get into youth. And so I get into youth, and there was this thing called fine arts, right? It was just this Christian talent show, if I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, There was poetry, there's pictures, there's speaking, there's singing, there's human videos, there's puppet shows. They got everything. And so I was approached, and they said, you should do short sermon, where preachers preach for five minutes. Everybody said amen. Where preachers preach for five minutes about a topic, and and here's where the older guys kind of got to me. I got an older brother. If you have an older brother, you know what they do. And they come up to me, they're like, hey. Well, he's kind of a drill sergeant. I just want to let you know. I was like, what? Like, yeah, man, if you're not prepared, if you're not good, he may not even take you on the trip, dude. He'll just leave you behind. And now I'm starting to get nervous. I'm like, I thought, I, I thought we was cool, that we're fine. So I'm getting up there and I'm getting ready to do my first sermon I've ever heard and I'm straightening myself and I see Welby in the back. I can still see him in my head in the sound booth and his arms are crossed. Back's kind of, I was like, man, he is a drill sergeant. He might as well have had the hat on. So I'm as nervous as can be, and I began to speak, and I know this bellowing, deep voice that's so soothing to your ears right now was not at that time. It was more around here. Um, Today, in Mark chapter six, (laughs) um, it was more like that. And I began to do my sermon, and when it was done, Welby walks up to me, and I imagine his footsteps were real heavy. It was, and I'm like, it was not very good. He goes, hey, let's work on it. It's like, oh, you're not a drill sergeant at all. And I can see all the older kids in the back laughing at me. Uh, so he began to work with me on it. He began to work on speaking and how to make eye contact and then going through the word and how to actually read it. Who are they speaking to? What is the context of the situation and, and what's going on? He began to really pour into me. See, that was a man captivated by going together. He didn't have to approach a 12-year-old child who had no idea what he was doing, but he said, you know what? Let me, let me show you what God has showed me. And in that moment of going together, God was doing something better than a fine arts competition. And I began to develop and I began to develop and I actually won an award at it and, and it's all thanks to him and I began to see it. But 12 years later, there was something set in motion in that moment of go together that we didn't see. See, God in that moment of going together was like, I'm starting Hope Rising Church. I'm starting Hope Rising Youth. I'm starting Hope Rising Kids because there are people in Cypress, Texas that are far from me that need to experience new life in my son. And this may be just a 12 year old on a stage, but I'm doing more because you're going together. See, when you go together, your purpose is set in motion. And that going to togetherness breeds freedom, and freedom breeds purpose. And I began to see kind of the purpose in my life, and it may not have been for another decade later, but I knew where I was at. The rest of that text in Mark 16, 15 says, and preach the gospel to all creation. And what exactly, how is that accomplished? Well, in John 13, 34 through 35, it says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. 
By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Did you realize the identity of a Christian is to be recognized on how you love? The identify of the one that you serve is how you love people. When I read that, it gut checked me. So, am I loving people enough for them to know who I serve and what he's done for me? This is a broken world in which we, we trade real relationships for fleeting pleasures, but people are genuinely crying out to be loved by something, not even someone anymore, something, if they would just spend a few minutes with me and hear my heart, hear what's breaking me, hear what I've been through. I just wanna be loved by somebody. There's other Christians that are saying, God, I need you to move, and God's already told you to go. They're not waiting on God, they're waiting on you. See, Jesus said, it is finished, now I need you to go. Here, we, that's my second point today, is to go together and then go and love people. Guys, this isn't rocket science, but this is exactly what Jesus said. He said, if you would go and love, they will recognize the one that you serve. Man. I need to go and love them. And when you love them, you bring them into the house and let them know that they're fully known, but yet they're fully loved by God. Amen. Then they can know God and then they can be set free from whatever it is that's holding them back. Amen. And then that breeds purpose and then they can go and make a difference. Y'all see how I did that? It all connects. Bring them into the house. Let them know God. And my last point and probably my favorite point, God has called us to go unqualified. So I, I, need a, I need an amen on that one. God has called you unqualified. He never said you had to be ready. He said you need to be willing. Yeah, yeah. Man, when I was preparing this and I was trying to find a story to, to relate this to, and it instantly came to my mind. It was about three months ago. Uh, I remember I was getting ready for the Sunday. I usually prep around Thursday and Friday for kids, and I have everything blocked out month by month, and I just kind of do a refresher. And I remember going over the lesson plan, and it was paper airplanes. And I remember I had a long week at work, and it just, I wasn't feeling it. You ever not felt it on a Monday? I wasn't feeling it. And as I was studying it, I just felt like it just, I was missing something. There just wasn't something there. Hard week at work, coupled with that, and I begin to tell my wife, I just, am I the best person for this job? You know, I don't have kids of my own. Uh, the, the majority of the people that, that are in there are, are, are ladies, and they're older than me, and I'm like, they're moms, and they, I just, I'm like, I don't know if I am qualified to do this. And as always, she was insanely positive, and, and, and it gave me nothing but good things about myself, and she tried to build me up, but I tore myself down. Y'all ever done that? You're going together with somebody, and they're building you up, but you tear yourself down. And so I remember I, I walked into Sunday with my paper airplanes. Didn't feel it. Still wasn't feeling it. And I walked into a room full of about 30 kids, and they all made airplanes. Well, strike that. None of them knew how to make them, so I had to make them. But <laughs> I made airplanes, and we threw them. One of them went about 10 yards backwards, which was actually kind of impressive. But we threw them. And when it was done, I grabbed my paper airplane. I readied up. And didn't do nothing. Of course, if you're a parent, you know what this is. The kids, Coco, in case you hear Coco, that's me. Um, Coco, what are you doing? I'm like, what? I threw paper. That's what you did. They're like, but that's not how you do it. And then you have to play the dumb parent. What? 
what am I supposed to do? They're like, you have to make it an airplane, which I gladly picked up and gave to them. They're like, I don't know how to make it. I'm like, well, then how'd you make yours? And they're like, I gave it to you. Don't you love when your kids get to the point that you're trying to make without actually telling them? So he gives it to them. I was like, so you had to give it to somebody that, that knew how to make it, somebody that knew its design purposes, knew that it could be more than, than what it was. And I began to tell them that they were each made for something and they could have all, all the resources to be the best thing that they can be, but if they don't give it to somebody that knows how to mold it, they're nothing. And the whole time I wasn't feeling it. So I go home, I felt like I just missed the mark that day. I felt like I just, I'm not the guy for this and maybe I need to evaluate the curriculum or what I'm doing in my prayer life. And I went and took a Sunday nap. Anybody took a Sunday night before? Woo! Amen. Took a Sunday nap, woke up with a text from a parent on my phone. I said, God used you today. I began to read about a six-year-old kid a week prior to that, crying to his parents because he said, I'm never good enough. I said, I don't feel like I have a purpose. What am I supposed to be doing? This is a six-year-old. You ever feel like that six-year-old kid? I feel like I'm not good enough. I feel like I'm never going to be where I need to be. He said, and then you walked in with a paper airplane and told him that he mattered and that if he would just give it to God, he'd begin to mold it and fold it and shape it into its design purpose. The craziest thing about the lesson was I didn't catch it. God wasn't talking just to that kid. He was talking to me. He said, son, don't you know it's not about you? If you would know that this is not your own life to live, if you knew that you were living for other people and you would just give it to me because, y'all, it really just depends on whose hands you're giving your life to. If you put a basketball in my hand, I am five foot nine, can't run well, and don't jump good. I will try my best to beat you at horse, and I will stand on the elbow, and I will not move. But if you take that same basketball and you put it into Kevin Durant's hands, that's a two times finals MVP. If you put a tennis racket in my hand, I will play home run derby in a tennis park. You know what I'm saying? But if you put that Serena Williams hands, that's 24 majors. If you take a paintbrush and put it in my hand, I will draw the best Bugs Bunny you've ever seen. But if you put that brush in Leonardo da Vinci's hands, he will have a masterpiece that for thousands of years later, people will be in awe of what he did. But let me tell you something. If you put a hammer and a nail in my hand, I will give you the words, ugly as birdhouse. But if you take that same hammer and those same nails and you give it to a man named Jesus, he will breed redemption. He will breed forgiveness. He will breed salvation. He will bring love and mercy for everyone because it depends on whose hands you're putting it in. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 9 says this, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. I don't know if you're reading God's word today, but it said if you would just go, you will be rewarded on going. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Can I let y'all know that people matter and we're building cities in heaven? This is not a game. We could play church games, but I'm tired of games. I'm ready to build cities. I'm ready to grab whatever I got to. I'll be like Nehemiah. I'll have a a hammer in one hand and a sword in the other. I'm ready to build and I'm ready to fight for people. I'm ready to go in love. I'm ready to go together. And you know what? I'm unqualified. I'm perfect for the job. 
Because if I would just go and I would just show up, God would show out. If I would just go, it says that God brings the increase. I don't need to be caught up in outcomes and comparisons and this and that. Let me tell you something. If you're caught, if you are caught up in purpose, you will not be distracted by comparisons. Worried about what everybody else is doing when God said, I have set you in motion and I want to use you right where you're at. If you would just go together. That's why we, all, that's why we say get in a group. It's not church rhetoric, y'all. It's freedom. If you would get around a group of people that would build you up. And then if you would just go in love. Sometimes we want specific job descriptions from God. Like, God, I want to know specifically what. He's like, I told you what to do. I told you to go. Love the person that sits next to you every single day. Love the person that lays beside you in your bed every night. Love the kids that wake you up at 2 a.m. in the morning. If you would love the people where you are at, God brings the increase. So I don't know where you're at today. See, I, I was born in the church, met my wife in the nursery. I saw her eating goldfish and I said, that's mine. Born in the church, I've heard it all before. And I sat there and I spoke to kids with paper airplanes and God was speaking to me. If God can use a paper airplane to speak to me, I'm hoping today he's speaking to you. This is probably gonna be bad. Boom. Because today I want, I want a group, I want a church that can soar because you were molded into what you were intended to be. The only difference between that airplane and this is whose hands it was in. You can be trash or you can be designed for what you were supposed to be. Give it to God. And that day I said, God, I give you my kids ministry. I give you hope rising kids. I know these are your kids, but I said, God, they're yours. They're not mine anymore. This is not my life to live. I was never intended for myself, but for other people. So like I said, I don't know where you're at today. Like I said, I was born in the church. It's not rhetoric today. These are people. You wanna know what your purpose is today? It's people, because they matter. They need to be brought into this house. I think there's people that you're thinking of right now that need to be in here. Somebody that you've been working on, I, I wanna encourage you to keep doing it. Because if you wanna see stories of God's handiwork, ask the person to your left and ask the person to your right. I guarantee they'll tell you. Thank you for joining us on the Hope Rising podcast. Visit us online at myhoperising.co. Thanks again for listening. Have a wonderful week.